Hello and welcome back to Control Alt Delete. My guest today is the wonderful Julia Cameron. Again, this is her third time on the podcast and that's because I just love her wisdom so much. People always say they get so much from the episodes of Julia, so she's back and she's a huge inspiration of mine, especially when it comes to creativity and well-being. And she has a new book out called Seeking Wisdom, A Spiritual Path to Creative Connection. If you have done the artist's way or you're curious in the artist's way, which is the book she is most famous for, it sold over 5 million copies, I think, around the world, you will love this book. It's a really comforting and brilliant guide to stepping back and finding faith again in yourself, in your creativity and in the world around you. And yes, in some cases, a higher power. I also really recommend her memoir, Floor Sample, which is one of my favourite ever memoirs. So I hope you enjoy this brand new episode with Julia. Here it is. So I am absolutely thrilled to have Julia Cameron back on the podcast. This is the third time we've spoken. So I can't believe my luck because, you know, I always enjoy talking to you and I'm just so excited to catch up again. So Last time we spoke, it was January 2021. So that was almost a year ago. So how have you been, Julia, in the past year? I know that's a big question. A lot has happened, but how are you? I'm doing well. I have found myself enjoying my own company a little bit. Uh, I have found myself writing a great deal. I have found myself enjoying my little dog, Lily, uh, and feeling generally good. That is good to hear because a lot of us turn to you for wisdom and guidance, which is the topic of your new book, I, I suppose, something that you've been speaking about for decades. But to have it all wrapped up in one book called Seeking Wisdom has come at such a good time. And it's just been such a companion during this year, you know, all of your work. So thank you for it. And in the book, I guess you start off giving us a bit of a recap, I suppose, on your journey. I read Floor Sample this year. I can't believe I had have only just got around to it, but I'm going to say that it's my favourite memoir of all time. I just couldn't put it down. I've recommended it to everyone. And just to go deeper into your story, I suppose, is just so amazing so you give us a little bit of a recap at the, at the beginning of this book about your, you know, why you needed to seek wisdom all those years ago. Was that important for you to kind of touch on that personal bit at the beginning? Yes. When I decided to write a book about prayer, I didn't want to sound holier than thou. And so I thought, well, I I think if I tell my own story and the roots of my prayer life, uh, it will enable people to move into their stories. So I told my sobriety story, and I was urged to pray to stay sober. Uh, And I felt that was a horrible thing. I thought, you know, I have 16 years of Catholic education and formal prayers, which put me off of praying. Uh, And they said, well, you must believe in something. (laughs) And I thought about it. 
Uh, and I thought, well, I believe in a line from Dylan Thomas, the force that through the green fuse drives the flower, that creative energy. And I thought, well, I can try praying to that. Uh, and so I began to pray uh, with candor. I was told, don't worry about being formal. Worry about being honest. So I found myself saying, dear God, I'm miserable. Please help me. Uh, and uh, I began to have a sense that there was a benevolent listening force. Because while reading your memoir, I guess we're following you during a time where you really are quite lost. You know, you're traveling to New York, to New Mexico, to London. You you flip back and forth to a few different locations, don't you? And you're, you, you really are seeking. And I feel like we're on that journey with you in that book. When was the first time you realized that this creative energy could really help you? You know, was it discovering that quote for the first time or? Um, I think I... I was desperate. I, I didn't want to drink. Uh, and I had been drinking, uh, as you know, uh, around the clock uh, and having prolonged blackouts, which were memory lapses. Uh, and I wanted that to stop. Uh, and I was told, well, you need to have an effective defense uh, against taking the first drink, which gets you drunk. One drink leads to another drink leads to another drink. Uh, and um, so having been told that, I, I went to what I didn't then call a higher power. I called it creative energy. I, I went to it and I said, Please defend me. Please help me. Uh, and then I was told, well, if you want to depend on this higher power, you're going to have to pray regularly. Uh, and I thought, that's too much to ask. And then I then they said, well, try praying in the morning. Please keep me sober. Try playing at night. Thank you for keeping me sober. Uh, and then um, what I found was that I had an itch to write, but I didn't know if I would be able to write sober. Uh, I found myself thinking that writing and drinking went together like like scotch and soda. Uh, and they said, well, just try and let this higher power write through you. And I said, oh, dear God, what if it doesn't want to? Uh, and they said, well, just try it. So I began to, to try to sort of get out of the way and listen for for what might want to be written. Uh, and that was the beginning of my having an effective prayer life. I just think it's so helpful to go back to that point quickly in order to talk about this so that people understand your journey and how 
much of an expert you are on doing this every single day and how inspiring that is for this to be a practice that is so regular and can change someone's life so much. And I just find it so interesting, this book, because it's so accessible. It's so all-encompassing. It's so welcoming. It's for everyone. And I feel like we're in a time where religion or traditional religion is in decline. Community feels in decline. You know, we're, we're quite solitary. A lot of us don't have a lot to believe in. And here you are saying, here's something. And I just think so many people need that right now. Well, I think uh, I wanted to teach people uh, that prayer was an integral part of a creative life. Uh, And in order to do that, I had to go back to the roots and say, this is how I learned to pray. Uh, This is how I learned uh, to ask for guidance. Uh, And I have uh, some tools which I have taught over the years morning pages, three pages of longhand morning writing, a nightmare, and uh, artist dates, doing something festive once a, once a week, something that enchants your, your inner youngster, uh, and um, walking, which puts you in touch with your environment uh, and gives you a sense of the benevolent higher power sort of overarching. And then I, what I realized was that I had a fourth tool that I'd been using for 30 years that I've never explained to people. Uh, and that was to try writing for guidance. Uh, can I hear guidance about X? And then I would name the issue. And then I would listen. Uh, and I wanted people to understand that guidance was trustworthy uh, and pretty easily accessed. Uh, and people would say to me, but Julia, what if it's just my imagination when I hear something back? Uh, and what they were hearing back was simple and direct uh, and powerful. Uh, and I said, well, then, your imagination is much more potent than you had previously thought. And it's a good thing. So if you, if you feel like you're making up your guidance, uh, that's all right. That's good to know. Because I think for you know people listening, perhaps they might think prayer or guidance sounds weighty or something that they're not used to and something that's quite scary to them or out of their comfort zone. You have to get used to it and you have to sit in it and you have to get comfortable in it. And it's funny that so many moments of being a creative person does come from those moments, like when you're in the shower and you're and something comes to you or or when I sit in silence and just sort of trust my gut instinct. We do it a lot as creatives, but I think maybe we don't realize we're doing it sometimes. Well, I think when I first thought of writing this book, I wanted to call it Talking to God. And then I realized that talking to God probably sounded very difficult, that we had an idea uh, that either prayer was beyond our reach 
or that we had to, quote, do it right. <laughs> uh, and we weren't comfortable with it. Uh, and w I found that when I started writing morning pages, I began to have a sense that there was something listening. Uh, and I, as I put on the page my concerns, my worries, my doubts, my fears, I found myself receiving answers, uh, which were little snippets of guidance, little bitty cues. Uh, and uh, I began to trust that. It makes it all sound so much more comforting when you say it. And I think that's why you're the gateway to a lot of people discovering this world, which is so amazing. I think gratitude is a huge thing in this book, isn't it? You talk so much about that feeling of gratitude and what that seeking wisdom can give you. And it's so funny when I was reading your book, I remembered something that happened to me a few years ago when I was standing out on my balcony of my old uh, flat where I lived and this, there was a star in the sky and it was shining really brightly. You know, when you just notice one particular star and I just looked up at it and I just remember saying thank you <laughs> to it. And I don't even know why it wasn't, it wasn't actually a conscious thing. And I just remember feeling like that was strange, but really nice. What you're talking about there is a prayer of gratitude, but a prayer of praise where um, I live in Santa Fe in the mountains uh, and I watch the moon rise over the mountains uh, and when it's a new moon, I say, oh, thank you. And when it's a full moon, I say, oh, thank you. Uh, and it's a feeling of connection, uh, a feeling of awe, uh, a, a feeling of benevolence, encouragement. I, I think we have a mythology that tells us that creativity is born of pain. And what I have found is that creativity can also be born of bliss. Uh, and that bliss can be born by simply observing our environment whether we live in the country or the city, we have that one bright star and we find our heart leaping up. I love that. And it's so true that everything that you say is almost like the reverse of what you thought all those years ago, which is quite amazing. Of course, creativity, we can be even more creative when we're in that, in that place. And I wanted to ask you about your writing inspirations or or at least where you got a lot of inspiration on this topic of prayer because I know that you read Creative Ideas by Ernest Holmes. You reference that in the book. I love how you speak about finding that book and, and just realizing how much it meant to you. How did you feel when you discovered that? And and I, I know that you wrote your own prayers and meditations book as well, which I have a copy of and I loved. So I was newly sober and I was struggling, and I was praying my little awkward prayers. Uh, and I had a friend who was a composer, uh, and he was Frank Sinatra's composer. He was a very well-known musician. Uh, and he said to me, 
Julia, you're struggling. Let me give you some help. I'm going to give you a little book, and it will change your life. And with that, he gave me a Xerox copy of a book from 1934. Uh, and I, I was astounded because previously I had been praying from a sort of lowly position, like, dear God, I don't want to bother you, but if you could just take a second of your time, dot, dot, dot. Uh, and when I read these prayers, they said, dear God, give me your ear. I know I have your ear. I know you are listening to me. I have a creative life I wish to lead. Give me guidance. I know you are giving me guidance. So they were affirmative. Uh, instead of groveling and begging, they were saying, God is actually on our side. Uh, and that was uh, sort of news to me, <laughs> news to mm -hmm. me. But it was welcome news um, because previously I had felt like maybe my will and God's will were at opposite ends of the table, that I wanted to be a writer, but God wanted me to sling hash and be a waitress. Uh, and uh, what I found was that my dreams were met with friendly support. Yeah, and even that perspective shift is incredible, isn't it? When you are looking at the world from a place of things are on my side, someone's on my side, the universe is on my side, it completely changes the lens in which you see everything. And, you know, I'm not traditionally religious. I wouldn't say I have one religion or, or anything like that. But when you speak about God, I feel like anyone in this, anyone reading this book can replace that word for whatever they want to replace it for. Yes, I think that's true. Uh, I I say don't let semantics be a bar for you. Uh, and instead of God, you can think good, orderly direction or the universe. I've noticed that in all your books, you talk about your friends, you talk about friendship, you talk about so many amazing, important people in your life. And you seem like a very loyal person. And you talk about in this book about how you went with a work colleague who had moved on from a publisher and you went with them instead of staying with the publisher. And it sounds like your relationships are so important to you. How do you know when to ask for help externally from a person, when so much guidance is sort of internal? I lean on my friends all the time, uh, and my guidance tells me to lean on my friends. Uh, I have friendships. My friend Gerard and I have been friends for 55 years, uh, but I have new friendships. Uh, I have my friendship with Nick Kapustinsky, uh, whom you have met. Uh, he's an actor and a poet. Uh, and we've been friends for about five years. Uh, and I, 
I find that my friends sort of demand loyalty. Uh, they are connected spiritually, so I feel like I pray, and then I pray to my friends to pray. <laughs> uh, and I have, you know, people sometimes think it's cheating to have your friends pray for your creativity. But I don't think it's cheating. I think it's important. Yes, I think it's so important to hear that, that everything's connected and seeking wisdom doesn't have to be a lonely thing. You can do it in and amongst so many friends. You know, you can still ask for guidance from outside yourself from lots of different places. And I love hearing stories about your friends and your friendships. It's it's so lovely. And, and, and what you say about believing mirrors in general, I think is so important because friendships should be positive and it should be uplifting and people should support you. And I think a lot of people have friends that sadly don't do that. Well, I think it's a sorting process. Uh, I found myself, uh, well, I recently got a nasty letter uh, from a friend of many years standing, 40 years standing, uh, and she fired off a, a letter that was very hurtful. Uh, and um, she said, among other things, you only talk to people who are famous. And I thought, well, she doesn't know my friendships. Uh, and um, I went for guidance because I said, I've for years believed she was my true friend. And now she's writing uh, as if I am irrecognizable to her any longer. Uh, and uh, what should I do? And the guidance came back, Julia, have compassion. And uh, so I didn't fire off a letter back saying, are you out of your mind? <laughs> I, I just let matters lie. Uh, and when I am talking about my friends, I still number her among my friends. But I found that she couldn't be, for me, a believing mirror anymore. Uh, and um, that was sad for me. Uh, I, I read her letter, uh, and I realized that it was born out of fear and jealousy. Uh, and I was grateful for the guidance that told me to have compassion for her that she has burned many bridges behind her and she had very few friends. And I thought if she was sending off letters like this to her friends of 40 years, uh, she truly is burning her bridges. Well, thank you for sharing that because I think it happens. It, it, it's, it's really sad when it happens, but sometimes friendships do change like that and... And that's when you need the guidance the most. 
And for people listening who want to lean into this more, do you prefer writing and hearing the guidance through your writing or through sort of thought or more verbal sort of cues? Well, I do. But I think the predominant way that I talk about it is through writing. Uh, That what happened for me was when I was learning to pray, uh, I would pray and I would get an answer which would be like a hunch or an intuition. Uh, And then I realized I wanted a record. So I started writing down what I heard. And that was very comforting because I could go back and read the guidance. Uh, I would say LJ for little Julie. <laughs> I, what about X? Uh, and then I would hear Julia regarding X. Your need is compassion. Uh, and I would read that. And I would think, oh, well, if my need is compassion, I can ask for, dear God, how can I have more compassion? And then I would listen again, and I would hear, go for a walk. (laughs) (laughs) So wise. I have a friend who calls it her wise inner cheerleader, or also she calls it her wise older self. And she was telling me the other day about asking her wise older self for advice and how the voice that comes back sometimes feels different, even though it's you. Would you be able to explain if how, you know, if that is the case for you? Like, does it feel separate or does it sound different? I think it does sound a little bit different. Uh, I think... Above all, it sounds calm, calm and optimistic. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I feel like when we pray for guidance, uh, what we hear back uh, is a higher perspective. Uh, And I think uh, that the tone of the guidance is often kinder and more compassionate than we are able to muster on our own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, well, I'll give you another example, uh, which I think I've written about quite a little bit. But what it was, was it was 45 years ago that I got divorced from my first husband. Uh, and... 45 years later, I felt like I still loved him. And I thought, surely you should be over him by now. Aren't you hopelessly codependent? Uh, But I wrote, what should I do about still loving X? Uh, And I heard back, just love him. And then I wrote, but it's gone on for decades. <laughs> and I heard back, love is eternal. And I realized uh, that following the advice of just love him and love is eternal, I could drop the rock 
about self-criticism, uh, and I could, I could embrace a more loving self with the help of guidance. That self-compassion is just everything, isn't it? That's amazing. Thank you. That's such a great example. And I'm excited to do more of this. I'm so, you're really opening up a new way for people. And um, there was something in the book also I wanted to bring up. I think it was your friend, Scotty, that you talk about, whose daily prayer is ease and joy. And it sort of made me think of how your tools are so simple. And I know in the past you've said that people do call them simple, but that's not a bad thing at all. Like, it's good that they're simple. It means we can do them every day. And is that important to you? Was that important to you when you were recovering all those years ago? You needed something simple. I needed something that I could hold on to and trust. Uh, and what I found was that there was a short prayer which worked for me, which was, help me. <laughs> <laughs> And I began to say, help me. Uh, and that uh, led in time to more complex prayers. But I found that I believed that tools should be simple and repetitive. Uh, and uh, I recently had a review which said, Julia's tools are simple and repetitive. <laughs> and I think it was intended as an insult. But I was thrilled. I thought tools should be simple and repetitive. Yes, yes. And that's why they're so helpful. Your books have really made me look at the ways in which I try to escape doing the work or doing the thinking or doing the inner work, you know, um, even alcohol, even if you don't have a codependent relationship with any specific substance or addiction, it's still something I think that can numb us out or get in the way. And it's really made me look at how I just want to be really focused and I want to be really clear minded. And you can't get the guidance if you're covering it up with other things. I think this is where, uh, guidance does come in where if we feel like we're maybe using food to block our feelings, we can ask guidance, what about food? <laughs> and mm -hmm. we will hear guidance back, which says something simple like, try a peanut butter sandwich, <laughs> try yes. to try to avoid sugar, try try a peanut butter sandwich. It's almost maternal, isn't it? I don't know if I would say it's maternal or paternal. Uh, I, I think it's very direct. Uh, and I, I think the line from Dylan Thomas about the force that through the green fuse drives the flower really says exactly the specificity uh, that guidance gives us where uh, if you're intended to be a pansy, you grow up to be a pansy. If you're intended to be a tulip, you become a tulip. Uh, that the force that through the green fuse drives the flower 
drives many specifics. I think I can't say enough about going on the page and asking for guidance. And just lastly, so I wanted to end on the note, on a note of asking you about being in your own company, because I know you said earlier on, and you've said in the book that artist dates and, and, and seeking guidance, seeking wisdom has made you happy to be on your own. And I love being on my own. I find such joy going away on trips by myself, going writing by myself, sitting in a cafe all day long by myself. Um, obviously I love being around people too, but I really choose to be on my own a lot of the time. And I wondered for anyone listening who might be, you know, still dealing with the pandemic or might be alone uh, a bit more than they're used to. Do you have any any just quick bits of advice on, on how to lean into that? Well, I think uh, we need to look at our environment and say, what can I do by myself that's festive? And if we can't leave the house and you know, you, you're only allowed to walk a certain number of meters, uh, and then you have to turn around and go back. Uh, so you need to say, what can I do for myself? Oh, well, I could dance barefoot. I could take a bubble bath. I could make a pot of homemade soup. I could listen to drum music. We, we need to, to learn to be self-entertaining. I have a um, practice that I enjoy. Uh, every Thursday night, I go out to dinner with my friend Nick Kapustinsky. And our deal is we come to dinner with a new poem that every, every week we have to write a, a new poem and then we bring it to dinner and read it to each other. Uh, and what I have found uh, is that Wednesday night, knowing I have to have a poem for Thursday, I get pretty nervous. Uh, and then I take pen to page and, and I write something like, Jerusalem is walking in this world. I, I find myself filled with grace. I think we can all choose to be filled with grace, uh, and we can all choose to write in a positive fashion. So it may not be a poem, uh, but it may just be something self-loving. These little notes to ourselves become a practice. That's such a fantastic idea doing that. I love the idea of mixing a, a date with a friend with creativity and encouraging each other. I mean, you are the queen of encouraging creativity in others and yourself. And thank you so, so much for this conversation. I just love talking to you every single time, Julia. You're such an ins inspiration and you really impact so many people's lives. So thank you for your time and and for doing it this close to Christmas. I really appreciate it. Well, you're very welcome.